Well, last week, we started in chapter 15. <clears throat> we did make it through 14 and started in chapter 15, got down to uh, verse 6 of uh, chapter 15. And in the first six verses of chapter 15, uh, ultimately God promises Abram, uh, making mention to him that he will have an heir, uh, that it will not be um, Eleazar, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, of Damascus, which is who uh, Abram had pointed out in verse 2, uh, saying that, that he would be the heir of his house. Pretty much if he was to die right then, that would be the heir of his house. Um, but yet the Lord confirms and makes mention to him that, um, that he will have uh, an heir from his own body, his own flesh and blood, if you will, um, and as you go on through in verse uh, 6, it makes mention to him, or it makes mention of how the Abram uh, believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Um, so, first of all, we're, we see how that God is promising him the heir, <clears throat> promising him a son. Uh, in verse 5, it talked about how that God had promised that his descendants will be as like the stars in the sky, uh, which is uh, also uh, brings us to remember over in chapter 13, uh, in verse 16, I believe it was, that uh, uh, God had talking to Abram about his descendants and made mention that they'll be like the sand on the seashore. Um, so here we see that, that you know, his descendants will be uh, innumerable, ultimately, uh, and, and that Abram had believed in these things. Before we keep going, is there any comments or things that somebody might want to bring up about what, what we've already talked about? All righty. Well, let's continue on and look at verses uh, 7 and 8. <clears throat> it says... And this is you know, reminding you in verse 6 here how that uh, Abram believed in, that, that what the Lord had told him about us, you know, him having a son. In verse 7 we pick up and it says, Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of, out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, and, this, and he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So here we have uh, God continuing uh, in his, his promises. Not only is he promising him uh, a son, but he's also promising him uh, the land promise here. It's what we, we're finding here. Um, but it goes on, and, and Abram asks for a way uh, that he can know. Uh, ultimately asking for a sign on how that he may know that this is, uh, is going to come to pass. I've got another comment on that, but I'm going to wait until we read the next, uh, <clears throat> next verse or two. But anybody else have, a, have any comments about what we've got so far? Verses 9 and 10 says, So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. 
Then he brought all of these, th- all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. All right, so we have God coming to Abram, uh, and, and after he, after, after it says that Abram believed that God uh, was going to give him the, the son, God continues on telling him that this land, uh, your, your descendants shall inherit. Um, and, and Abram asked for a sign, so God tells him to bring these animals to him <coughs> and to cut them in two laying each on you know, a half on each side, so basically leaving a path down the center of these you know, cutting two animals. Um, the idea of, <coughs> of him asking for a sign, ultimately, it was, uh, in a sense, a way for him to, to affirm and know for a fact. Um, the thought here of the... Of the the animals being cut in two, something that I found interesting was um, apparently this was something that was pretty common in the, or I don't know if I'd say common, but it happened uh, back in this time period as far as uh, pulling out, um, um, I want to say covenants, but it's, it's more of like a promise or assurance that this is going to happen. Um, and in a commentary I was reading, it talked about uh, there was two Assyrians, and I wasn't even about to try to pronounce their names or anything, so I didn't even write them in my notes. But in the 8th century B.C., um, it made mention of two, two Assyrians that had, uh, was making a, a, uh, a trust, in a sense, to each other. And I forget what all the, the, uh, the differences there was, but ultimately you had uh, one Assyrian, or you had them cutting a lamb, uh, I want to say it was the head off of a lamb, and, and the one Assyrian that was making the promise had, uh, had walked through the, the pathway of in between the head and the body of the lamb. And, but ultimately what it was signifying was the fact that if his promise, his, his covenant that he was making with this other Assyrian was to fail, if he was to falter in what he was promising, then he wished the same fate that that lamb had upon himself. <clears throat> so it was basically saying, look, I promise to do this, and if I don't, kill me. You know, so it was, in a sense, a way of signing a, a document is what we might look at today, uh, maybe with a little bit more severe uh, punishments if we don't you know, make it through or what have you, but Anyhow, any other thoughts or comments on that aspect of it? Like Jim said, you'd walk down the center of it in between the two. Um, but he didn't cut the birds in half but laid them on each side as well. But he did cut the, the other animals in half. And like Jim had made mention of, there was a space in there. There was a, a gap <clears throat> in between the two halves that they would walk through. Well, All right, well, let's keep going on through here. In verse 11, it says, And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So I thought this was kind of an interesting verse here uh, because here we have, uh, obviously you're going to have, now 
the New King James says vultures, but a lot of the other translations says birds of prey uh, coming down and feeding on the carcasses of these dead animals that are laid out. Uh, while he's while Abram's waiting um, for for things to to take place, it, but the idea of the the birds uh, coming down and and feeding upon or trying to feed upon these dead animals uh, that Abram was driving away, uh, it, it symbolizes in a way how that uh, the Israel's Israel's uh, enemies would come down and try to take away the promised land from them. And one thing that I thought was interesting as well, when you think about that aspect, was how that Egypt's Pharaoh identified himself with the god Horus, H-O-R-U-S, uh, who, was, who was depicted as a, as a falcon, so a bird that was coming down, as we'll uh, see here in a moment, that, that he will also be the ones that, had the Israelites under slavery for uh, 400 years, ultimately. But I thought that was kind of interesting. And when you think about the aspect of the birds, but then reading on into uh, next few verses, we have, Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Now we have uh, Abram once again you know, laying back, uh, going into a deep sleep. Uh, many times when we read about uh, uh, people going into deep sleep uh, in, in the in the Old Testament, we have um, some some pretty interesting things happening at times. Uh, for instance, when Adam, uh, when God placed Adam under a deep sleep, He had taken a rib out of Adam and, and made Eve out of him. Uh, out of his rib. And so we have things like this going on when, when we read about a deep sleep going upon him. Now, I couldn't find much out about the, the horror and great darkness which fell upon him. Really don't know exactly the, the aspects there. Jim, do you, have, do you know anything as far as that goes? Thick and dread for darkness. Okay, maybe it's, I guess in a, in a <clears throat> what's that? Okay, in signifying the deep deepness of sleep, possibly that that you know, absolutely, and we're always trying to grow and 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 grow our faith in in God. Um, well, let's pick up in verse thirteen and fourteen here. No, twelve. I did twelve. Okay. Uh, so after he had fallen asleep, or a great a deep sleep had fallen upon him. In verse 13, we pick it up and say, Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in, in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. All right. So in verse 13, God comes to Abram and, and tells him, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in, in, in a land that is not theirs. So to begin with, God tells him, says, Well, you know, 
you'll inherit the, this land that you're in, being the land of Canaan at the time. You know, this is where they're at. And, uh, and after he falls asleep, the first thing that God tells Abram is, is uh, no, certainly that your descendants will be in a, in, a, in a strange land and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Uh, and, and, and so here we have you know, something that, that Abram might have been like, whoa, you know, I wasn't expecting this. <clears throat> but uh, in verse 14, it gives, gives, the, uh, gives the assurance that uh, the nation... You know, it, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. <clears throat> if you was to flip over to Exodus chapter 12 and verses 35 and 36, uh, this is uh, right before they're about to leave out to, um, to, to the children of Israel anyhow as they're in the land of Egypt. And... Uh, at the end of this 400 years, in Exodus 12, verses 35 and 36, and I've got the English Standard Version on this, it says, The people of Israel had also done as Moses had told them, for they had, they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they, so, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. And here we, we see how that this promise that God's making to Abram, in verse 14, they're going to come out with great possessions. So here we have them actually taking uh, silver and gold and clothing from the Egyptians, uh, not to mention as they were in the, the land of Egypt, they continually... Uh, uh, grew in number, so they were just continually uh, uh, becoming larger and larger as a nation, which is the reason why, ultimately, Pharaoh had, had started to afflict them uh, and put them into slavery. But I thought that was interesting. thought I'd point that out to you is, is what uh, was happening here in verse 14 is what God was promising in verse 14. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you think about the, I mean, it gives a number here, 400 years. I mean, it's not like this is, you know, yeah, they'll be in captivity for some time, then they'll come out, you know, and then they'll take over the land. But, you know, 400 years are going to be in captivity. And then when they come out, they're going to come out with great possessions. So in verse 15, we have, now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. So God's also telling him that you're, you're, ultimately you're not going to be getting this, this, this land. It's going to be your descendants, uh, but it's going to be a ways down the road. And in the next verse, it tells us on why that is. Um, in verse 16, where it says, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Here we have something, uh, we, we ultimately see a glimpse into the nature of God. Uh, you know, as, we, as we just read in chapter 14, um, Abram 
taking up an army of 318, I think it was, uh, trained men in his house that was born in his house, uh, going out and fighting the, the uh, king of Catalamer and, and the other uh, kings with him and overtaking them. Uh, there's a reason on why God is allowing this to, to be pushed off until a later time. And in verse 16, it talks about how the, the, uh, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it, I couldn't help but to think about over in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 where it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, you're in the, in, especially in this part of the, the book of Genesis, and going on through, we see, or we tend to think that God is focusing solely on Abram. Uh, but as we saw last week and the week before with Melchizedek, uh, you know, obviously there was other things that, that the Lord, you know, the Lord's not focusing strictly on Abram here. He he has other people, you know, other, in other places like Melchizedek, uh, that that's also striving to serve God. Not that the Amorites are trying to serve God here, but God's saying that you know they haven't cut to the point to where you know we're going to cut them off. And so, thinking about that, when we get over into the book of Joshua and we read how uh, Joshua is leading the the children of Israel through and taking over the Promised Land, the land of Canaan, and and God tells them to go out to to uh, kill the Amorites ultimately. Here, it's not just that the Amorites, you know, all right, well, you know, they're not who I want in here. You know, you're just going to take them out, take out this innocent nation or anything. No, they were a wicked nation. And God here says they haven't come to completeness yet. Their, their sin hasn't gotten to the point where they're, they're ready to go out. Uh, also remembering that just because God knows that they're going to, that it's going to get to that point, and that's why God's able to promise to Abraham that this land is about is going to be his descendants, doesn't mean that the Amorites are forced to continue down that path to where their iniquity will be uh, uh, complete at this at, at the time that they're going to take it over. So I know it's a little bit of a of a thought process there is when you think about it, but I mean. Here we have God continuously you know, trying to give you know, people second chances. And ultimately, that's what I'm, at least in my head, that's what I'm, I'm looking at here as far as the Amorites go. They haven't gotten quite to that point. Now, God knows that it's going to get to that point, and it doesn't mean that God's making them get to that point, but yet uh, they are. So just, I know I'm probably not making that much sense, but I hope you all are somewhat getting that. Well, as we continue on in verse 17, it, talk, it says, And it came to pass when the sun went down, and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. All right, so here we have God coming to, to Abram as he, as he falls into this deep sleep. He tells him about his descendants, how that there will be... Uh, uh, I mean, he doesn't use he doesn't say Egypt, but we ultimately know that they were in Egypt, but they were uh, in a in a strange land. Uh, 
for 400 years and that uh, they'll come out of that. When they come out, they'll come out with great uh, possessions. And it tells him that, you know, it tells them that, uh, that you'll, go to, uh, you'll, you'll go to your fathers in peace. Um, and, and then it talks about how, you know, the Amorites. And in verse 17, we see how that God, uh, being depicted here as a, as a smoking oven, and a burning torch passes between those pieces. So those those animals that he had cut in half, and that pathway that was down the center, uh, you know, with with the animal halves on each side. Here we have the smoking oven and this torch passing between those peop- those those pieces, uh, which is ultimately uh, sealing the covenant. Uh, as we talked about, that was uh, uh, in in this time period. That was a way of of sealing that covenant. And in Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 18, we're reminded that it is impossible for God to lie. So being that it is impossible for God to lie, he always keeps his promises as well. And so here we have an ultimate, there is no doubt that this is going to happen. And in verse 18, uh, it says, actually, well, ultimately through the, the rest of the chapter here says, On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, and just a side note here where it says, and the Lord made a covenant, literally this says cut a covenant, uh, you, which you can see as far as the, uh, the animals being cut in half and he's going between them. Literally God cut a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of the Egypt, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the you know, river Euphrates, uh, and then it talks about all the the different nations and, or the different people um, and their lands that that he's going to be giving them. Now, when we think about that, we look at uh, looking at the the promises that God has put before us within chapter 15. If you flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 10, here we have Moses uh, saying, the Lord your God has multiplied you and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. All right, so here we have Moses speaking to the Israelites here in the book of Deuteronomy and he reference to to them as far as them being stars uh, multiplied to you uh, as the stars of heaven in multitude. So they're a great number. Here they are. Uh, In Joshua chapter 11 and verse 23, it says, So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. Uh, Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes, then the land rested from war. But as we know, the, the borders of Israel never uh, uh, were, were not the greatest expansion, I guess you can say, of Israel's borders was during the reign of Solomon. And in 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 21, we have, So Solomon reigned over all, all kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. 
they brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. So within these passages, we find uh, God's promises coming true, that they, they are coming to pass uh, as what he has promised to Abram. And I thought it was uh, pretty good to be able to point all those out. Any thoughts or comments as we look at those things and think about the promises that God has made? Um, and, and as we think about this, you know, and we see how God has made these promises to Abram and how they've come to pass, we can also uh, be comforted in the promises that he's given to us as well. Well, I blew through that pretty fast. It, I, was just, I was wanting to make sure we got through uh, chapter 15 today. In chapter 16, I'm not going to get real far into this because we don't have a whole lot of time left, but in chapter 16, we're going to find uh, Sarah ultimately coming to Abram, and, and we kind of see a, a, as what brother over here was making mention of a minute ago, see Sarah's faith being tested here, or Sarah's lack of faith, I guess you can say, uh, being, being displayed here, because the first part of chapter 15 God tells um, Abram that you're going to have a child from your own from your own body, and that he will be heir of your house. But in in and I made mention of this last week on how that you it didn't make mention specifically that it was going to come from Sarah, which could be the reason on why we have what's going on in chapter 16. But ultimately, Sarah. Was uh, was very disappointed because in this time in this time period that we're we have here, children was everything, and a woman was uh, I forget the wording of it. Um, she felt incomplete in a sense uh, without any children, and so here we have Sarah, you know, feeling down. And, and in verse two, it talks about how that uh, it was. You know, Sarah making mention that the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Uh, but ultimately, she's going to give him, um, Sarah, or give Abram uh, her handmaid to have a child through. But like I said, I didn't want to get too far into that because we're running out of time. And I, I was trying to just give like a little summary of what we're going to be talking about next week just because we had a few minutes left. And I didn't want to cut you out too early. But uh, if there's no other thoughts or comments, I'm going to go ahead and close out class.